With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Diego ready to go with the first pitch on its way. Swing and a line drive left side of the infield. Fielded by Wendell. He made the catch. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. And they're on their way to the American League Championship Series as they knock off the New York Yankees 2-1. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. Just a swing and a drive, hit well in the air towards right. Mookie Betts going back to the wall. Gone! A first-inning homer for Randy Arozarena, number 10 of the postseason. It's one nothing Rays. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good morning. Welcome to our show today from Hooters, 4th Street in St. Petersburg, where we have a watch party later today. On the program today, we'll chat with Nick Anderson as he looks to rejoin the Rays next month. Doug Wechter of Bally Sports Sun reviews the week gone by. We'll chat with Xavier Edwards about his futures game experience. And Dewey Robinson will highlight the successful pitchers in the system. Plus, we'll review the draft with Rob Metzler and chat with top picks Carson Williams and Cooper Kinney. We continue on this week in Rays Baseball, and our featured guest here coming off the All-Star break is Nick Anderson. And first of all, Nick, great to see you. How are you, and how are you feeling? I'm good, Neil. Thanks. It's uh, it's nice to be around and see some faces. For all of us. For you, how is your rehab going? I know that fans ask me about you all the time. How are you feeling? Good. Um, I'd say the last two weeks, I think I, I probably said that a couple of days ago, but the last two weeks I feel like I made some pretty good strides. Had one not good bullpen <laughs> and but made up for it the next bullpen so that that was good kind of bounced back and um you know that's just something that i'm not used to the whole the rehab process you know a little bit of up and down and just having some different feelings that you're not used to having you know um elbow being tight and it's like oh, all right but then you go play catch and it feels great which you know normally you know you always during the season or whatever you always have different things that happen you know your arm might be tight here might be tight there whatever but it's different because you know you're not injured so like coming back from an injury just knowing kind of i've consistently been a little tight in the elbow but you know feels good when i throw so <laughs> it's probably just part of it <laughs> it sounds like you're closer to the finish line though now than the than the start line yeah no absolutely um just hopefully on the back end of this rehab journey and you know, I hate to say journey because it's, what, I don't know, four months or five months. So, you know, some guys do 14 months, <laughs> 16 months. That's a little bit more of a journey. But, um, yeah, it definitely uh, if everything keeps going well and, yeah, really, that's just kind of the thing, too. It's just so day-to-day that you just, I don't know. I don't know exactly when the end will be, but <laughs> hopefully soon. I think we all hope for that. I mean, you you could almost be like a trade acquisition, so to speak. You know what that's like, obviously, since we're coming near the deadline, too, how valuable that can be. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, not to joke about things like right after I got hurt, but, um, you know, just 
but the positive outlook of the injury, you know, not needing surgery, whatever. Um, yeah, I was kind of joked with uh, Cash and Eric, and you know, they were like, "Yeah, it would be like 2019, <laughs> all over." So, it's like, yeah, well, hopefully, I come back and perform like that too. So. <laughs> How proud are you about the way the group has performed to this point? I mean, you consider Chaz is out for the year. Cody Reed went down. You're Oliver Drake and you are both still rehabbing. Diego was down at one point. P. Fairbanks was down at one point. You guys are really doing a great job hanging in. Yeah, I mean, those guys bounced back. And, you know, thankfully for Pete and Diego, um, those guys, it was just short, you know, something to get on top of. And um, those guys bounced back great. So, uh, I'm not surprised at the way that the team's been playing, honestly. I've said it before, like whether it, whether it was me out there doing what I can do to help the team, um, it, it's the, the Rays are going to find somebody to, to fill that void. So I had the utmost confidence in the team, pitching staff, everybody playing that I we were going to be just fine. Even, even, with the, even with the way that season started off, um, I had some people, some friends, and whatnot hit me up like oh dude it's not looking too good and i'm like just wait and, you know it's a little bit of a slow start but um yeah and then turn turn it around and whatever that run was 22 out of 24 or whatever the heck that run was that the team went on who's been most helpful for you in this whole process because i think it's important not to go stir crazy and uh, i mean you're a pretty even keeled guy but i'm sure this is the first time you've missed this much uh, baseball in a while you know, I don't know if I could really pinpoint anybody specifically, but kind of just being around, just being around the guys really, and talking to guys that have been through it, and, and currently are going through it. You know, we kind of all just pick each other up, and you know, bounce in, just bounce things back and forth off each other, and you know, like Rich, Rich has been hurt a handful of times, and you know, t- talking to guys like that that have been around for a while, I think I think is. Is cool, you know. They can shed a lot of light on the situation, and I don't know, may, make you think about the whole picture. And yeah, the restrictions have been loosened. Has that allowed you to maybe spend a little more time with some of your teammates, or is it mostly with, let's say, guys like Poche and Beeks and Chirinos who are rehabbing like you? Yeah, it feels like baseball. <laughs> It's great, and I know everybody else is loving it too. So, no, <laughs> I'm all for the no mask and uh, business as usual. Before that, were you able to spend time with when before the 85% was reached? Was it mostly with the rehab guys, or were you still able to hang out at least a little bit in the clubhouse after your rehab work? Yeah, you know, the times overlapped a, a little bit just because, you know, we had eight guys that are rehabbing or whatever, you know, so one trainer rehabbing us all so <laughs> it was uh you know he, he has a long day so that the times would overlap some days i didn't see the guys some days i did and, and got to hang out and yeah and just kind of be with the guys which which is nice speaking of which paul harker probably doesn't get enough credit you you mentioned rehab guys he's the one who's in the trenches with all of you what has he meant and and how helpful has he been through this process everybody that knows hark you know, they'll say he'll run through a brick wall for you, and, and he honestly will. Uh, you need anything, I mean, he he's there for you. And the schedule that he has with, you know, however many guys it was, at one point it might have been 10. Like, it was crazy. And him just putting time and time and care in everybody and really, do, really does care about the person and, and getting the person back healthy. How good is he at making sure you don't get too far ahead of yourself, too? 
and just focus on here's what you need to do today and kind of keeping blinders on you a little bit? Yeah, that was something that I'm not used to. You know, usually when you start playing catch in the spring, uh, well, over the winter, but you start off easy maybe for the first couple weeks, and then, like, you know, I I was throwing hard. Like, I mean, and hard isn't 95 right away because your arm just kind of, like, loosens up, and, you know, you might be throwing 80, 85 at first, but then then you'll get up there the more you throw, but... So trying with this whole kind of step-by-step rehab process and, and progression was difficult, it, trying to tone it back, especially when you go out and you throw for the first couple of times, you're like, ooh, like, actually, this is nice. I don't feel anything. Like, you know, and then you're like, all right, I kind of want to throw harder now. <laughs> yeah. So with, with the progression and just keeping the radar gun out and not to see how hard you're throwing, but to keep you under a certain limit so you're not stressing too much um, and just get, getting your arm used to throwing again. That was a learning process. And, yeah, I mean, he's obviously rehabbed a bunch of guys, and he's been doing this for a while. So, I mean, yeah, you, even him bouncing things off of him. And, you know, it's like, hey, if you go up two miles an hour every week that you're playing catch, well, by the end of this, you're going to be back throwing 95, 96. So, like, those different viewpoints, it definitely helps. Did you speak of stress? Um, I know you're a low stress guy, but did you pick up any ha- uh, hobbies or anything that you did just to get through the days so that you're not thinking about, hey, when am I coming back or arm your arm or anything like that? No, not really. You know, I play little video games, play a little Call of Duty, but other than that, I've just been doing some work around the house and yeah, not really. It's surprising, you know, because we're still at the field for for a decent decent chunk of the day you know it's not like you come in and do exercises for an hour and then you're then you're gone you know there, there's a lot of recovery and, and working out and and stuff to do so you know days still turn into f- five six hours at the field and i would imagine too once the game starts you're watching pretty closely still for the most part like at, at home yeah i got the game on um some days i watch more more of the game than other days just kind of depending on what's going on and what little house housework I got going on too. So, but yeah, no, I'll pop, pop the game on the TV for sure. What are you most excited about with this group? I mean, having been through the World Series last year, obviously the goal is to get back, and it seems like this group is capable, and they've added a lot of youth too. Yeah, getting uh, getting a couple of young guys up here for sure, uh, adding a little bit of that young energy. That I mean, that was something cool just watching Wander right away when he got called up. Like he was still energetic still you know and it's like that's awesome and i think that's what makes the rays so awesome and special is that you know they they really preach that like hey everybody just be yourself and they, they don't really care you know be, be yourself be a good teammate you know take care of business and so creating that environment that people feel free to to be who they are i, I think that's awesome we mentioned obviously at the beginning of this that you were a trade deadline acquisition how much easier does that make? Who knows what the race will do at the deadline? You know, you never know. But how much easier does it make it when they bring in new people just to be yourself because of the culture that already exists here? That's tough for me to say just because I've only been one other place. And my, in Miami was pretty, I don't know, pretty open to for the most part. That, that'd be tough for me to say that it's a lot more or it's a lot easier to, to come here. I just think that the way the way that the game is now, it's definitely becoming more common. I'm sure there, I'm sure there's still some teams that are 
veteran heavy and you know you're kind of a little bit of an outcast right when you come in but I think so many people so many people have been in that position that I don't know there's the way that the game's changed a lot more people are inviting to to new guys coming up and ultimately I think just people want to win and fetch some young talent coming up like hey great (laughs) you know but yeah it's obviously like I just fit in and it was it was easy for me coming here and pitching wise repertoire I would assume high fastball big breaking ball will be the same once you return yeah I I don't know invented a new pitch should I I mix should I mix something else in start throwing a knuckleball or whatever uh I I don't know maybe I'll throw the rosin bag one time who knows (laughs) well it's great to see you so close to getting back it's great to see you and uh hopefully a lot of success going forward in your rehab and we'll see you soon on the mound at Tropicana Field thanks Neil yeah hopefully hopefully shortly Nick Anderson joining us in This Week in Race Baseball. More after this. Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. Time now to take a look at the week gone by. Joining us, Doug Wechter of Bally Sports Sun. He'll have the call today with uh, Dwayne Stats between the race and Braves. Doug, thanks for a few minutes. Of course, Neil. Anytime, buddy. How are you? I'm good. This is a, an interesting time of year for sure. You know, I want you to put your former player hat on. As a former player, we're, what, less than two weeks from the trading deadline. How stressful can this period be? I know the Rays are likely to be buyers, but you never know what kind of moves they will make over the next couple weeks. Yeah, you know, that's a great question because it can be stressful for players. I mean, guys go out there and obviously you hear the rumors. You know what people are talking about, what teams are looking for. And it's impossible to ignore that, really. But, you know, what you try to do is just go out there as if nothing's going to happen. You're going to continue to do your thing. Uh, I think the Rays are obviously in really good shape record-wise on where they want to be and uh, are really primed to make a strong push going to the second half. So, no doubt, they will be buyers if they are active at all on the trade market. But, you know, with all the talent coming back from either injuries or just coming up through the minor league system, I don't know how active they will be. I mean, these are... These are uh, guys who are very talented, who are being inserted in this lineup and uh, in this staff. And I think the Rays are really looking forward to seeing them, you know, be fully healthy and uh, bring some of these prospects up. So, you know, whether they make a move or not, uh, we'll we'll find out here in the next couple weeks. But they are primed and ready to have a great second half either way. Chris Archer made his first rehab appearance yesterday. Tyler Glass now started playing catch this week. Certainly their health is going to play a factor in all this, as you mentioned, guys potentially coming back. The other challenge here, Doug, is that, you know, some guys have gone nine or ten days between starts because of the break and the way they're managing innings. How difficult is it to get back into that rhythm, that first start back? Because it it looked like uh, Josh Fleming had a little bit of trouble yesterday. Michael Walker certainly didn't have a great start the day before. Yeah, it is a little bit tough because these guys are used to going out there, you know, whether you're a reliever or a starter, I mean, the way that the Rays uh, do things, specifically with either bolt guys or openers, I mean, it's every fifth day at minimum that you're going to be on that hill and you're going to be going out there and uh, continuing to stay fresh. But when you have a longer layoff, it, it can be tough. It really can be. And it's really specifically the timing of it. Uh, you go out and, you know, you just can't mimic in a bullpen what a game situation would be, no matter how much you try. And so if you are off for an extended period of time you can see a little bit of rust coming off of that and I think that's what we've seen over the last few days from some some pitchers you know obviously you mentioned Waka and uh, Josh Fleming and absolutely I agree with you Neil I think that was just a little bit more of them being off for an extended period of time and um, you know hopefully they can gain their uh, 
former selves back here quickly, and next time out they'll be a little bit sharper. But uh, it, it's just one of those things that you got to battle. But long term, obviously, you'd much rather be healthy and fresh going into the second half and, and deal with uh, a little bit of rust early, knowing that if the health is there, uh, you'll be locked in coming you know, closer to October. You mentioned the good spot the Rays are in, Doug. Uh, game and a half back at Boston, obviously top wild card spot right now. What do you feel with this club most comfortable about going forward over the final two and a half months? Well, you know, there's a couple things that I really like to what I'm seeing from this club. Obviously, you know, you can point out the bullpen and the staff in general with the numbers that they have, you know, the number one bullpen in the AL uh, and really the number one staff in the AL, according to the ERA. Uh, and you look at that and you feel really good about it. Now, obviously, you do have some holes in the starting staff, primarily with Tyler Glass now going down. So you wonder uh, if that's going to hurt them long term or, you know, even Glass now is going to be able to come back at some point this season and uh, help back uh, make that October push. But really, I do feel good in general and overall about the staff and where they're at. And then, honestly, you know, looking at this offense, uh, I feel good about the way some of these guys are starting to swing the bat. You know, Austin Meadows, the way he's been driving in runs, is pretty consistent through the first half. It looks like he's, you know, continuing that stretch here in the second half. Brandon Lau was red hot going into the all-star break. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he's reached base safely a few times here already in the Braves series. So that's a good thing uh, right there. And I'll tell you, Wander Franco, his numbers aren't where they want him to be. Obviously, you know, the young kid used to hitting around or above 300. But the way he's hitting the ball lately, I mean, he's starting to hit the ball in the screws a lot more often. And I really think he's going to turn the corner. He's going to get very comfortable at this level. And with those three guys rolling, I think this offense is really going to kick it into another gear. All right, we got a little bit over a minute. What is your greatest concern then uh, with two and a half months to go? Well, you know, it's going to be the health of the team in general. You know, you, you just as much depth as this team has, you really don't want to see any more injuries happen. Uh, you know, the bullpen's throwing well. They're a strong unit, but you don't want to see any more bullpen arms going down. And, you know, specifically with that rotation, uh, you do have some veteran guys out there. Rich Hill's, uh, you know, I want to say he's 41 years old. Um, you know, he's a guy you're going to have to watch and make sure that you limit his innings and uh, make sure he's healthy moving forward and, and for this long push. But uh, I would say overall, just the injuries, if, uh, if the Rays can stay healthy, which is a concern for all clubs, but if the Rays can stay healthy, I really like where they're going this year, and I really think they can make another strong run in the postseason 2021. Well, it should be, again, a, a real interesting two and a half months. Doug, I'm sure we'll have you on again probably after the deadline. Uh, we appreciate a few minutes today, and have a good call with uh, Dwayne. Awesome. Thanks, Neil. Have a blast, buddy. You got it. That's Doug Wechter of Valley Sports Sun joining us on this week in Rays Baseball. Again, uh, BA has the weekend off, so Doug filling in with Dwayne. And before we continue, why don't we pause for station identification? You are listening to the Rays Baseball Network. WTAE St. Petersburg, W237CW Pinellas Park, WBTP HD3 Clearwater, W224BE Brandon, and iHeart Radio Station. We continue on this week in Rays baseball, and joining us right now is one of the future game participants from the Rays, that being Xavier Edwards. Xavier, congratulations. How much fun was it? Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, great experience in a great environment, a beautiful stadium, beautiful field. Uh, you know, it was, it was really a lot of fun. What was the best part of it for you? Um, getting to see my parents for one was, was huge. I haven't seen them since spring training, so it's always great to you know see see my parents and spend some time with them. And uh, you know just to get to play on that field and and for you know the stadium to be 
well packed. There's probably about 35,000 people there. So um, it was, that was a cool experience. Obviously the Rays have a lot of talented prospects to be chosen. What did that mean too, to be part of a, you know, just, it was you and Shane that ended up there. I was cool. You know, Shane's my guy and uh, we spent some time together here and a lot of time together in spring training. So it's cool to get to go, so go with someone that I was playing with, you know, just a month ago when he was still here in Montgomery. And, and you know, that did think highly of me enough to, to pick me for the game. I think it also speaks a lot to how well you've played. You started the year injured. Tell us how the injury happened and then how you were able to bounce back. Uh, it happened the second to last day of camp. Uh, you know, I was swinging in the cage and I just felt something on my side and I knew it didn't feel right. Uh, I was hoping I was still going to break camp, but uh, I went into the training room and ended up being a strained oblique. And, you know, I had to spend another four weeks or so in Fort Charlie trying to get back from it. I had a setback, but ultimately I ended up getting back. And, you know, I didn't miss too much time, but now I'm here. You've played great since. Um, what has allowed you to have the kind of success that you're having and how much of that is a carryover from the work that you did during the pandemic? I mean, you know, I just try to stay in myself. Um, you know, baseball's changing a lot, but I'm just trying to, to stick to what I do and what I know I do well and, and uh, just trying to play my game, you know? Um, I feel like that's all you can do. You control what you can control. And I feel like that's something I can control and I could do it at a, I could do a good job at it. So just trying to do what I can do and know what kind of player I am. So just stick into that. It's also grown as a player, so. You're obviously putting up great numbers. How different is the the level playing at Double A for the first time for you? I mean, I'd like to think it's all the same game, but you know, obviously the players get better the higher you go up, and uh, that's you know that's the that's a tricky part. Just just trying to treat it as such, you know, just trying to keep it, you know, keep it as much level as I can. Uh, just taking care of what I can, playing the game the way I, I know I can play it, and um, that's it. Uh, the guys here are good. You know, everyone's good at all positions. There's guys here that have been in the major leagues at a point. There's guys here that have been in AAA at a point. So um, definitely the, the competition level is a step up. Guys, you know, they're older guys here. They, they're more mature. They, they know how to play the game. They know how to execute at a high level. So, uh, you know, it's a fun challenge. Is the pitching much different? Do you see more breaking balls, better fastballs, more command? What's the biggest change there? I feel like it's a mixture of both command and off-speed pitches. There's a lot of off-speed pitches thrown here. And, um, yeah, guys command, you know, guys – don't miss a ton over just the heart of the plate like they do at maybe some of the lower levels. So I feel like that's a big part. You know, guys aren't really figuring out when they get to this level. Guys usually have a firm grasp of what they're doing. And, you know, they're here for a reason, whether they're 21 or whether they're 30, you know, they, they usually have a grasp of what they're doing. And along with what I said last time, they, you know, the guys have been in AAA in the big leagues and you don't get there without having a grasp of what you're doing. You mentioned veteran players, but you've also got some veteran coaches. How has Jamie Nelson helped you? How has Gary Reed has been beneficial? I know Nelly said a lot of good things about the way you're playing. Yeah, those are my guys. I, mean, I love playing for them. Uh, not even to mention Mo. I mean, Mo's a great manager. Gary's great just on the base running and uh, just the little things, even on the offensive side. I mean, I know he's not our hitting coach, but Gary's got his tidbits on, on offense and from when he played. Nelly's great. Um, just kind of opening up a new realm of hitting that, you know, I wasn't used to hearing too good. I'm sure a lot of my teammates weren't used to hearing. Um, just a lot of different terms, a lot of different things just that we usually wouldn't wait for or wouldn't, wouldn't look for when we're up at the plate, but it could help us take our that next step in our offensive game. So, you know, I've learned a lot so far, and I've only been here for about a month and some change, but I look forward to, you know, the next two months being here and learning, learning more from those guys. And how excited are you just about the future overall? You know, the race have moved some guys to the big leagues, some of their top prospects, and obviously as long as you continue to grow, they're going to give you that opportunity. Uh, you know, it's exciting. You know, it's, that's what everyone dreams about, you know, playing baseball at the highest level for as long as they can. And uh, I know I've put a lot of work towards that 
goal and uh, hopefully to hear it come true would be would be great. So it all starts here, you know, just work my way from here and continue to grow as a player and, and a person and just keep working towards the ultimate goal. And, uh, it's exciting, to say the least. Well, we're excited that you're getting to play on a regular basis now. Great to see you healthy. Great to see you in the Futures game and hopefully a whole lot more success to come uh, eventually at the big league level with the race. I appreciate that, man. Thank you a lot. And that's Xavier Edwards. He's now hitting 345 with nearly as many walks as strikeouts and has an 833 OPS for AA Montgomery. It's also been a pretty good summer so far for Ace Minor League pitchers. And joining us now, a guy who works with all of them, that being Dewey Robinson. He oversees them. Dewey, what does it meant just to see prospects getting regular opportunities once again? Personally, it's been really exciting to sit in the stands or in the dugout, for that matter, and actually have fans in the stands cheering for you. And the excitement level is uh, uh, back to normal. It feels like uh, it feel, feels really good to be playing a game that counts against somebody in a different uniform instead of down in Port Charlotte on the backfield at 12 o'clock in the afternoon when you're trying to have a, you know an alternate site inter-squad game to get the guys ready for the big leagues. But, yeah, it's been fun. And you've had a lot of really good development stories. Let's move our way down, starting with AAA. I mean, Shane Boz has to be the story of the organization on the pitching side, right? For me, he is because uh, personally I've had a lot of uh, time with Shane because he was at the alternate site and he's moved through our system pretty pretty quickly just step by step his delivery's better he's throwing a lot more strikes uh, if you look at his numbers they're ridiculous the limited amount of walks he has in the strikeouts the slider has gotten much better in the strike zone and now he's uh, using his curveball and changeup more so he's becoming this uh, starter with four pitches and at the AAA level he hasn't missed a beat he's he settles in to each kind of challenge that's uh, in front of him so I'm really excited for him and he's going to the Olympics with Joe Ryan who also is evolving this year Joe doesn't miss a beat it's the um, pretty much the same mo the invisible fastball at the top of the strike zone really just competes and challenges people what I'm excited about is uh, Rick Knapp has spent a lot of time, or AAA pitching coaches spent a lot of time on his secondary pitches, and they're starting to play better too. Which is certainly extremely encouraging. And then you take a look at a guy who you guys signed as a free agent at the alternate site, Dietrich Enns. He's evolving nicely too. Yeah, so I got a firsthand look at him all last summer to see his stuff, and pretty exciting. I have to really give kudos to Kevin Eibach and our pro uh, scouting staff. They just do an incredible job with guys that they find and uh, bring into our system that they identify stuff that we think we can help them with. Dietrich has just improved on everything. First first and foremost is command. He's pounding the strike zone, going right at guys. And there's a a four-pitch left-hander that can cover innings in a bulk roll or give you one or two innings from the left side. Certainly encouraging, and he's not the only guy the pro scouting group has found. Let's move to double-A. Peyton Battenfield, he got in a trade from Houston, and Tommy Romero way back when one of those many trades with Seattle. Yeah, I forgot about Tommy being a trade because he's been with us so long, but Tommy in 2019 was pitcher of the year in the Florida State League, and that seems like ages ago. But the guy hasn't missed a beat. He continues to get better. His numbers and his... uh, approach at double a has been ridiculous it's always four five six innings shut out one run eight or nine strikeouts no walks uh good carry to his fastball just just competes and challenges the, uh, the hitters 
uh, Battenfield, we traded for one of my most popular pitchers, was Austin Pruitt to the Astros. But this kid, just getting a quick look at him in, in spring training in 2020, and now this year he just keeps – we started him at high A and pitched himself out of there. Just I don't think he gave up – no, he gave up two runs or three runs in six or seven starts there, and he's doing the same thing at double A. At the high level, you got a lot of impressive arms. Where do you want to start? Because there are a number of kids. John Doxakis, I knew, was moved up to high A, but you've got some other real exciting arms there, too. Well, I'll start with John because, uh, and I could be wrong. I'd have to look at the numbers, but I don't think he gave up a run in, in low A. <laughs> I mean, it was ridiculous how uh, the movement on his pitches and, and just pounded the strike zone. He pitched himself right to uh, high A. His first outing was a little rough. His second outing was much better, but excited about a left-hander with movement that competes, kind of like in the mold of Yarborough and Fleming and and, uh, those kind of guys. Some of the other guys at the high A level, because I know you've got a really good mix of arms. Who do you want to touch on next? Well, let's start with Jaden Murray, because Jade came straight out of rookie ball like some of the other guys because we missed a year. But here's a right-hander, good live fastball up to 96-97 with a sweeping breaking ball, kind of like McHugh or Chaz Rowe, that type of breaking ball, working on his changeup. But he's had a real, real nice year for himself. Uh, Tanner Dotson, a guy we drafted out of Cal as a two-way player. He was a center fielder and a reliever. And after having Tommy Johnny's come back, and now he's just – and actually he approached us about just being a pitcher only. And the strides he's made in the last month have been impressive. Uh, good velocity, high 97, 98 with movement, slider, curveball, and changeup. He's, he's starting to – starting to figure it out as a pitcher, and things are exciting for him, too. Multi-inning guy, or, or what's the role? At this point, we've been keeping him at two, maybe three innings if his pitch count is low, because, again, he's coming off Tommy John. We're being pretty cautious with him, like most of the guys, and just want to keep him healthy and competing. And then at the low A level, you've got a lot of really interesting starters, right? Guys who are starters, bulk guys. Seth Johnson comes to mind, uh, a kid you drafted who's a real interesting story. Seth was uh, he was a two-way player at Campbell and then converted to pitching only, and we drafted him, uh, I believe it was in 2018. But he's really made steady progress. Power arm, kind of in the mold of Shane Boss. Just doesn't have the experience but has the stuff. Ian Seymour um, had a little boo-boo, I should say, uh, a sore elbow in spring training. We rehabbed him, and he made his first start in Charleston, three shutout innings. Left-hander from Virginia Tech, and very excited about him. Good mix, good stuff. And one of the most exciting guys in the organization beyond Boz is probably Taj Bradley and his development, right? One of the younger pitchers in the organization. Yeah, I couldn't be more excited about this kid than anybody in our system because he was in instructional league last year. We pretty much uh, took away his curveball and started a cutter slider to give him an opportunity to get some secondary pitch in the strike zone. Well, the velocity jumped on his fastball. He's topping out at 97-98. And the cutter is really playing well, and now the changeup's in the mix. But if you look at his his numbers too, he keeps going out five innings, one run, seven, eight, nine, ten strikeouts, and and it's really exciting to see this kid get off to such a good start. And I missed a couple of relievers that you promoted from low A to high A, uh, Colby White and Trevor Brigden. Uh, both those guys have chances. 
Yes, and again, they're both out of rookie ball back in 2019. Right-handers um, over the top with good carry, power, um, just getting their secondary pitches into play more. But uh, if you, again, it sounds like a broken record with some of these guys, but if you look at their numbers, they were ridiculous in low A. Um, you know, these guys weren't getting up, giving up hits. They're averaging two strikeouts per inning. So now they're a little bit more challenged at the high A level, but exciting about those guys too. And one guy you have not moved up to full season ball, but I heard so many good things in the complex is Sandy Gaston. Yeah, Sandy, I just got to see him pitch four shutout innings uh, last week on seven strikeouts. Anywhere from 96 to 101, but as deliveries come along, he's pounding the strike zone with the fastball. His secondary pitches are starting to improve, but he's in the zone, healthy and, and, and progressing, so it was really nice to see that. Dewey, as you look at this year, how well have you guys also, how much has it helped to be able to carry extra players on rosters and be able to manage innings as you get through to the second half of the minor league season? Well, that's really been good for us. And I think all of baseball with the expanded rosters, we can keep anywhere. At times, we have anywhere between 14 and 17 pitchers on a roster. And for me, it's not really about the total number of innings that they end up during the year. It's do they get a chance to develop and do, do we stay healthy? You don't want to risk anybody you know, being short pitchers and have to expose somebody and things like that. So... Uh, I've been I've been real pleased with how things have worked out. As the Rays Dewey Robinson looking at the Rays minor league pitchers coming up on this week in Rays baseball, we'll look back at the draft with the Rays Rob Metzler and top picks Carson Williams and Cooper Kinney. This is this week in Rays baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on this week in Rays baseball, and time now to take a look back at the draft that's been completed. And Rob Metzler, I guess, has had maybe a moment to catch his breath, but he's also working on. 2022. So, Rob, as you look back at the 21 draft, what stands out to you? It's a positive outcome, Neil. You're going to make fun of me for saying it was a positive outcome, but just the um, the group of position players that we were able to get early in the draft were all talented players and, and profiles that, that we were excited about between, you know, Carson Williams, a shortstop who we just couldn't be more impressed with the progress that he made, you know, from last summer, fall through through the spring, and like him as a well-rounded, you know, chance to imp- shortstop who has a chance to impact the game offensively and defensively to Cooper Kinney, who's bat we went to see him play a lot and he really impressed us with his bat every time and 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 we love the kid and love the dedication he has to continuing to prove to improve defensively uh you know that that kind of left-handed bat with that selection was one we were really excited about further on down to you know the year and career that Kyle Manzardo had at Washington State to you know the type of player that Ryan Spikes is out of Parkview High School in Georgia through Drew Baker at Tech and Mason Hour that that was just an excellent group of position players that you know in a lot of pro Files that can help in both halves of the inning, which is exciting. And then, you know, a bunch of the arms that we were able to add throughout the depth of the draft, you know, we're hopeful and we think it, we're optimistic that a few of them are going to pop through as, as really impactful, you know, pitchers in our system and eventually in our big league club. You've had, obviously, a lot of guys uh, on the pitching side come through, but I was surprised maybe a little bit that you took three high school kids, position players, early just because of the way the development system has changed. You obviously feel very confident that without, you know, let's say layers in between the complex lead to the full A season level that these kids can adjust fairly quickly. It's a, it's a good question, and it's something we discussed quite a bit. And I 
think in how we it did impact how we evaluate, you know, the development system impacted how we would evaluate high school players. These high school players in particular, we think they're, you know, as players, as, as hitters, as defenders, just they're an advanced group, <laughs> you know, each in their own way. But we thought they're really well equipped to go out and compete within our system. Not that it's going to be an easy road, not that, I mean, we, we couldn't be happier with the players that they're going to be competing with, but we thought they had a good chance to go out and, you know, and hit and defend and help our clubs and, and continue to develop. But, you know, would be different, you know, in a, in a situation where, you know, there are other high school players we were comparing them to who we thought might have been on a slightly longer track. Not not to say that there's any quick tra- track through our system, but just even towards making a full season roster that we were a little little bit more hesitant to. I was also curious with this draft if we'd see some more junior college players taken just because they're a year younger and you've got, you know, kind of that in between the high school and let's say the college kid who might have stayed an extra year. Mason Hour on paper with the numbers he puts up, you would think he might have gone higher. What makes him so? What makes him a, a guy that you guys really were high on? I mean, a lot of the same. Re- I mean, I would applaud the job that Pat Murphy did. You know, Jeff Cornell did our, our scouts in the area. He was somebody I think who might have been a little bit. I don't know if he was challenging for people to get. You know, he's a two-way player. You know, at, at Missouri State the previous year, and then he pitched and played a position through the draft league in, in the in you know in June. So in terms of kind of pinning down exactly what he was and he wanted to be you know I think we did our best to do that and and in terms of you know a center fielder with bat speed and and foot speed and strength we're excited to be able to get him in that fifth round and you mentioned there are a lot of pitchers that you think can help be they in starting or relief roles down the road more from that first day group because you had like a run of guys who all have been starting pitchers through their college or or junior college careers I think there's a chance for many of those those to develop into you know true starting pitching candidates and I think there's a chance you know it's just hard to predict how they're going to continue to develop and and I think it will be the only way I could answer it is that they're all equipped to be built out for multiple times or three times through through an order and we'll see how we'll see how they compete for innings and see how their development continues and you know if it evolves into a more traditional starter profile for them that'll be great and if, if they continue in some sort of middle role I've, I've mentioned it just in the sense that I think you, I'm sure you do you know, do sessions with Jeff McLaren and, and our development group, but we just we have so many arms we're excited about that. I think a lot of these guys will likely start as as they build up in their careers. You know, in you know not six seven inning roles, but pitching three four five innings at a time, and then we'll see where it goes. On that end, this is a different year. You now have what just a couple of weeks to get everybody signed, sealed, and delivered. Yes, correct. So yeah, we we. Uh, I can give the the listeners some. We're, we're staring out at, at a baseball field of 2022 candidates at the PG National Showcase here at the Trop, while also fielding calls from agents, your advisors, to to try and get the 2021 group sewn up. So it's a it's a quick turnaround. Uh, we're up for the challenge, but uh, yeah. So we have we have until August 1st, and and we're hopeful that that we can get the all or at least the vast majority of the group, you know, in, you know, signed in, in, in the Rays organization. And what happens to them after that? Because in the past, there was Hudson Valley, there was Princeton, there was the Gulf Coast League. Now you just have the Complex League. Do they all go there and work out? Some of these guys haven't played baseball in games in five or six weeks. Yeah, so health and development will be the key in terms of, you know, those that have been down and maybe working out, but in a less formal setting, we will we'll have a slow buildup to get them into game action. And, and game action is probably less concrete than in the past where it would have been Hudson Valley, Princeton, or, or Gulf Coast League. There's a 
chance that some will play in Florida Complex League games, but there's also a chance that many will be doing inter-squad scrimmages down in Port Charlotte in a setting probably more similar to Instructional League than, than in a you know what we call a championship league season. And I was, I was just going to say, Instructional League may be more important for this group than any other, whereas before you had game evaluation of them, this first stretch may be Instructional League evaluation. Yeah, I, I think everything we can do to... Obviously, health and safety and development first, but everything we can do to ramp these guys back up safely and get them in a competitive environment this fall just to get the juices flowing and, and, and get a little bit even deeper sense of what they're all about, I, I, th- I think will be beneficial for, for the players and it'll be beneficial for us. Good luck these next couple of weeks and uh, your start of 22 and the finish of 21. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate it. And that's the Rays' Rob Metzler on the draft. I also spoke with the Rays' top two picks this week after they were selected and asked the top selection, Carson Williams, what the experience was like. To start off, I uh, I was just with my close family and uh, one of my best friends. It was a long day, for sure. That, that draft, uh, it'll make you look at a clock for too long. When I finally knew I was getting picked in the in the 28th spot by the Rays, I was I was ecstatic. I mean, just so happy to have been able to put myself in the position to uh, to be drafted in the first round and uh, definitely stressful before but once I knew that it was all going down the stress levels went away and I was just I was so happy and I I'm, I couldn't be more glad to uh, spend the time with my parents and then my best friend there it was uh, it's pretty amazing so how much time elapsed from you hearing it to it actually appearing on tv and your family getting to see you were going to the race I think like like 10 minutes probably 10 minutes so it was uh it was a, it was definitely a long day. So did you keep it a secret from them or or you said I'm getting picked or or had you, you know, play uh, it off? I had my I had my advisor on uh, on speakerphone and they all heard it and then we just waited cuz we there was just a part of us that didn't believe them for some reason. <laughs> like just you're waiting to get picked and you're just like are they actually going to say my name? Then it happened and uh it, I mean just so excited. You've been in St. Petersburg before, though, even though you, you haven't been to work out for, you weren't able to do a pre-draft workout there, correct? Yes, sir. Tell us what uh, the perfect game experience was like last year and how much you think it might have helped you. That was kind of the beginning of my, uh, my rise to uh, the MLB world and being noticed from the scouting perspective. And I, I, I played really well. I played my game and I was just having fun out there. It was good weather, good baseball, and we ended up taking home the W. And, uh, yeah, it was it, all good times out there. You uh, Have you always been a shortstop? And growing up in California, who were the guys that you grew up watching and wanting to be like? Growing up, I was uh, I was all over the place. I, I fish, I hunt, I surf, and I play any sport that you could possibly think of. I, I didn't watch much baseball as a kid, and now that now that I'm here and I'm getting older, I watch a ton of baseball. But I never I never really had a role model growing up. I kind of just was always out there to play 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 like I play. Go out and play the sport that you love, and play it the way you want to. That's how I've always just seen it. You want to stay though on the on the dirt uh, on the infield yes, rather than on the mound where you pitch and throw up to what 95 miles an hour. How come you want to be a position player over a pitcher? Just just love being in the action. I want to be I want to be in the box. I want to be I want to be as close as possible to where the ball's going to be. And when when I'm at shortstop, I'm I'm ready to make a play. I I think I got some quick twitch skills and I I love being at short. I love being on the dirt and and just the competition at the plate is everything for me. 
And I also couldn't just sit in the bullpen. I can't sit still. <laughs> what excites you about the race organization? Obviously, you got to see them last year play in the World Series. I love the way they do things. They're straight up and they play the game the right way. I feel like I feel like they really play the game the right way. They respect the game and they're just they're ballers. Every every single time I see the Rays play, they they're going 100% and they're playing they're playing baseball. And then also you you hear all these things about their minor leagues and their farm system and how amazing it is. I mean, you can't overlook that. It's it's all such great stuff. So it sounds like you're ready to get started. Yes, absolutely. How, how did you improve yourself, A, during the pandemic, and B, what have you done since the season ended? Because that's kind of hard. They moved the draft back this year, so you almost had a gap uh, between the end of your high school season and draft day. A lot of that time was time for me to keep working out and staying in the gym. And then um, most of the time I was doing uh, the pre-draft workouts. I had a lot of those to go to, and I had to travel a little bit, and then some of them were, uh, were out in California. Uh, by me but at the same time I was at the field every single day and getting my work in and then it also gave me some time to go to the beach and hang with my friends surf and get some fishing trips in. You had mentioned in your group call with the media that you had friends that were drafted who was drafted that you knew ahead of you and what Mm -hmm. was were you trading texts with them what was that all like? No we weren't trading texts I'm pretty sure we were all all over the place at the moment but um I mean, two of my two of my buddies that I've played with is Marcelo Mayer. He's just great guy. Great guy. Love that kid. And then uh, Max Muncy. That's pretty cool to know two guys who were picked in the first round along with you. Yes, definitely. You're known as a, um, a shortstop, a defensive guy first, but the race said you really grew offensively. How do you think you've grown and where do you think your your uh, ceiling is as a player? I think I don't I don't think there's any ceiling to me right now. I think I can I can just keep getting better. That's that's my that's my goal every time I get to the field is to keep getting better. And what I what I think happened is uh started to grow more into my body, the power started showing, and then pitch selection and getting in through my legs and through the ball and just swing path. I mean, I think everything's just starting to come together more and more. That's Carson Williams, the second round pick, also a high schooler in Cooper Kinney from Tennessee, who also thought draft night was memorable. I was with my closest family and some of my best friends. And so, you know, getting to experience this night with them is something that's, you know, unbeatable. And it was something that was, you know, super exciting for me is to be around the people that love me the most and, you know, have been a really important part of my life. And so, you know, getting to be a part of that is, it was a really cool thing for me is having people behind me that, you know, support me all the time. What were you anticipating going into the night? What were you hoping for? You know, for me, I, I was really letting the, the process be the process. And, you know, I was trying not to, you know, expect anything and just kind of see where I played out and, you know, just let the process work and roll out. And, you know, I, I know that God has a plan for me and I kind of just put my trust in him and, you know, let that let that play out. And so, you know, for me, I was just, you know, knowing that God's got a plan for me and just sitting back and trusting that. You worked out for the Rays. I read you worked out for Atlanta. What other teams did you work out for? Um, I worked out for, I think, 13 total teams this, this offseason or this summer, which was, you know, a pretty cool experience to be around a lot of different players and a lot of different organizations. And so, um, you know, work out with the Rays, and that was a super cool experience for me. What do you remember about that workout? And having worked out for 13 teams, what were you – know, I know you said you didn't have expectations, but was there one team you thought, hey, maybe these guys will take me? I got to go down to the, you know, the stadium and, and meet everybody and – 
I really loved how, you know, personal I felt, you know, I had a connection with a lot of the guys with the Rays. And so, you know, obviously I was, you know, hoping a little bit that the Rays would, you know, reach out and give me a chance just because, you know, I got to go down there and meet all those guys. And it was a really cool experience for me is, you know, get down to go to Tampa. So that was super cool. Growing up in Tennessee, how did you get started on the game of baseball and who were your, uh, who were the guys you, you grew up wanting to be like? For me, my dad is a high school coach. Um, he's coached for 27 years. So, you know, ever since I was born, I was, I've been around the baseball field. And uh, I grew up watching the Braves and Chipper Jones is my favorite player growing up. So I grew up, you know, going to the yard and, and acting like Chipper Jones. It was something that I used to do with my dad. And so, you know, I've loved the game and my whole life. And that's something that, you know, I've always leaned back on. And it's been a really cool experience for me to, you know, get to work with my dad and, and play every day and, you know, just think about dream and, you know, eat, dream, and sleep baseball, which is really cool. Do you have, did you play other sports or was baseball always your, your thing? I played football up until freshman year and I played basketball up until junior year. So I played other sports, but at the same time, baseball was always, you know, the one I loved the most and something like I'd get down with basketball practice and go hit or, or whatever the case may be. Just baseball is always, you know, my favorite. You play second base, I've read. You play third base. Where else do you play? And where, where is the position you feel most comfortable? I grew up being playing shortstop. And so, you know, I played everywhere around the infield. And that's something I grew up doing. And I've caught a little bit in the past. Um, I caught for the high school team a little bit this year. I played some outfield in the past. So I've played at every position on the field at some point in time, which is, you know, I feel like a you know, helpful trait is to be able to move around and, and play different positions. And so I feel comfortable, you know, wherever I am on the field. The Rays are an organization that values guys who play positions. Was that something that was ever discussed when you worked out there? Absolutely. You know, I grew, I watched the Rays and, you know, see that, you know, guys are versatile. And so that's something that I feel like is in my own game. And so that's kind of a good thing is, you know, being with the Rays is, they, you know, they, they value that. And so that's something that's in my game that's an important part of it. So that's a really good fit. Cooper, you had a chance, you have the chance to play at the University of South Carolina. It's a great program. It's in the SEC, but you want to get started with your pro career, yes? Absolutely. It's been my dream ever since I was little. Getting that opportunity is something that, you know, I'm 100% all in for. Beyond uh, workouts at a ballpark, had you been to big league ballparks before all this started on the showcase circuit? And, and what were your experiences like with that? Um, I never got to go to any big league parks. So these workouts were my, my first time actually getting to be on the field, which was, you know, a, an absolutely insane experience is, you know, growing up watching baseball my whole life and actually getting to go on the field and, and, and hit and do what I can do is something that was super cool for me. And that was one of the best, you know, experiences of my baseball career up to this point. And since what I've read is your hit tool is your greatest strength, what do you see as your greatest strengths as a hitter? Why do you think you're a pretty good hitter for your age? I think that just um, mindset wise and approach wise, I feel like I'm really mature. And I think that comes from being around a lot of older players a lot and being around the game for a really long time. I've kind of just added on a lot of information into my own game. And so I feel like I'm a pretty mature hitter and pitch recognition and approach. I feel like I'm really advanced in, which is a good thing, I think. And that really helps me in, in games and you know around the around the circuit. And that's Cooper Kinney, and thanks to him and all our guests on the show today. If you ever have something you want to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me at Neil Solons. Next week, you'll hear from Taylor Walls, plus a preview of the trading deadline. For producer Rob Roman, I'm Neil Solons. The pregame show is next on the Race Baseball Network.